exciting news, Piers. We're in the news. We're pretty chuffed and humbled to have had Marie Claire Australia recognise our work as a diversity-driven media company in my recent interview with the brilliant Grace Back. In this intimate profile, I recount my move from climbing the corporate finance ladder to building a podcast agency to what it means to be a woman of colour in media. We discuss the challenges of pivoting careers, the Pierce Project's legacy and career-shaping moments since the company's inception in 2018. I'd absolutely love if you could head to the link in this episode's description, read the feature and DM me personally on Instagram to let me know what you think. My Instagram handle is at Misha Kidnor. Now let's get into this episode. This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, Peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, Peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveler, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. We're crossing the profit margins today to talk to people in this episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. It's no secret that businesses spend thousands of dollars a year researching ways to better understand their audience. But what about their people, the ones who work for them? Having personally seen the impact of exclusion, diversity and bullying in the workplace, Andra Vaduva realised businesses need to look at their people, not just their product line, to be the best that they can be. With this empathy-centric vision in mind, Andro went on to create consultancy agency Empathy Global, and more recently, Hibu, an AI chatbot that creates content based on your mood and personality. In this episode, Andro unpacks what empathy should mean for businesses, why we need to consider emotions, not just margins, and the strength in taking risks. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, welcome, Andra. Andra, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Um, hi, I'm super excited to be here. Uh, I know we've been trying to do this for quite some time. And unfortunately, with COVID, we can't meet in person. But I'm very excited to be on the show. Awesome. I know. I love it. I'm so excited too. I mean, we, we ultimately made it work. So excited to be here. Love it. So look, yeah, that's what's important. Exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly. So, look, you and I connected, as you as you kind of mentioned, quite a while ago now on, via LinkedIn. And when I looked into you and all of the amazing work that you're doing in the AI and, and business space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. No, yeah. And I love talking about the this topic and it's you know it's part of my everyday life so I'm more than happy to talk it out with you love it amazing so look for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so I'm a Romanian at core born in eastern Europe and then moved to the states for a graduate program and stayed it was my dream to work in New York and I made it and an only child and very entrepreneurial. Both of my parents are have their own business and they're former engineers. And, and I kind of followed that path. And I guess, the, you know, the dream of working in New York and starting your own company or working with ambitious founders, that was something that I really was going after. And yeah, here I am after like maybe 10 years in, in the United States. And I, I decided to open my own startup uh, and uh, I guess a couple of businesses that revolve around empathy and teaching empathy to leaders and um, empathy in technology. Oh, I love it. And I can't wait to dive deeper into the businesses and, and all of that goodness. But before we do, I'd like to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, you know, what was growing up in Romania like? You know, talk to us about those early days. You know, how do you think growing up there and your experience with your parents being entrepreneurs, how do you think that impacted the choice you've made in your life, in your career so far? That's a really good question. And I always think about that. I, I guess my personality, I really get it from, from those days and from them. I like risk and I like a challenge. And, um, when I was born in Romania, we were still a communist country. And, uh, you know, when I turned one, we became a democratic society. But, um, I, you know, I've seen the change and, 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 and I guess the, the, you know, power within the people to make that change and, and, and work hard to, you know, be part of European Union, et cetera. And that planted a seed inside of me. I not only I wanted to do better and always grow because of that feeling and when I was born and I, I I saw all the changes and the challenges but also to always uh I guess build a business with a mission I've always driven I was always driven by mission and yeah I I just I I guess I learned a lot about risk within my family my you know uh I was born in uh a smaller town outside of the main capital and then my mom always wanted to you know go to Bucharest and build a business there and 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 then she wanted to move outside of the country and they wanted to like uh, you know always doing and building and evolving so I lived with that and you know I'm I'm a nobody at heart so after I guess I you know i I felt at home in the United States and in New York, I kind of like wanted to explore more. So I think, yeah, it's just that, that, that vibe you get from when you're little and what you learn in your family that you know, you're always wanting to progress. So I, I still have that within me. Yeah. 
to, to the thing. I love that. And I think it's so interesting kind of to ask, you know, to, to ask that question because I think it does play a role, you know, where we grew up and kind of for you, it, you know, and kind of what we experienced when we, when we were younger. For you, I find it fascinating that you you were on that kind of brink of, okay, communism to democratic and, you know, what were those early childhood days like, you know, were you, were you, you, you said you, you're now really interested in progressing, but in the early days, you know, what did you do as a child? What did you kind of love to do? And was that still, did that run true for you back in the day? I think I always wanted to, you know, hang out with the olders and like I was always like finding friends with like interesting stories and interesting projects. And, you know, I moved to a new school when I moved to the main city. And and, and as soon as I got there in like less than a month, I probably like, you know, found the cool kids and hung out with them. And then, yeah, I, oh, and, and yeah, I was then when I went to high school, I I was always interested in like who's, you know, who's asking more questions and who has more interesting things to say in class. And I would want it to like be around them because I'm, you know, I'm an explorer at heart and very curious. And I, I love to learn from people. And I guess that's how I end up being with, you know, interesting circles. And, and yeah, I guess I had it since I was little. I was, you know, always curious to learn and, and, and evolve. Mm. I love that. So I want to talk about, I guess, you know, the progression and your move to the US. So obviously you said, you know, it's been, New York has played a huge role for you. It's part of that kind of exploratory thing for you. It was really, if I can make it to New York, I've made it. And, you know, so talk to us a little bit about kind of, you know, I saw that you were at uni or college. Um, I think you did your undergrad in Romania and then your postgrad in the US. Talk to us a little bit about um, in media and communications. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, the transition. You know, what was that time like for you? It was such a such a dream. I I don't really remember even being scared. It was actually so. Um, just to go back to the story a little bit between Romania, I actually studied in Germany for a while. And then I guess that was the the thing that made me really want to move outside of Romania and live somewhere else, but somewhere farther out, like not in Europe, because I really wanted to learn a new culture. And I was always drawn by the American culture because we actually, you know, we we kind of grew up with that in some shape or form. So I, I, in my mind, that was the thing that, you know, it was tough to get. So if I would get there, it would be an immense success in my mind. So after Germany, I got a scholarship in, yeah, mass communication and statistics. And um, it was actually my first time in the U.S. I, I moved there for school, but it was actually the first time I visited. Yeah, and I, I still remember I, I, I landed in Florida and it was so hot when I, I, I left the airport and I the first grasp of air, it was so humid. And I was like, you know, I really... I really felt like I was somewhere else. And then, yeah, just, I was blown away. Obviously I had, I had traveled a ton before, but not to us. And it's just a different beast. And I, I think I was still very young at heart. I was like 20 and, and I didn't know exactly what I was doing. I was, you know, I was being protected at home in Romania by my parents. You know, I had a really good environment 
And then all of a sudden going somewhere where you don't even know anyone. I actually had a fr- like a friend that I met on the internet that picked me up from the airport, but everything was brand new, especially the infrastructure. Like you cannot, you can't walk in Florida. You need a car. And, and that, I, I, it took me a while to adjust, but yeah, I just felt like, okay, if I go somewhere where I haven't been, it's going to be a challenge enough. And yeah, I really loved it. I find it fascinating. You know, I think that idea of kind of really stepping out of your comfort zone. I mean, for you, you said you weren't really nervous. You just wanted to get there. But when you got there, you were like, wow, this is very different. You know, Firstly, you know, how can we navigate those tough times when we try something new or in a new place or we decide to just move across the world and we don't really know anyone, we don't know what's going on? Like, how can we navigate that? And then secondly, how can we get better at wanting to take risks and be outside of our comfort zone? I think it's a progression. Uh, The risk that I was able to take back then, I can still take them, but with a grain of salt today, um, it's, it's, you know, it's been 12 years. I think you have to have a little bit of, of craziness in you that goes beyond the fear. And actually what happened to me was really accepting that I, yeah, I am afraid. And what, what what's going to happen? I have to try to get over that fear by pushing myself. And, and there's an adrenaline that I guess it doesn't work for everyone. But at that level and at that stage in your life, you're, you have, you feel this adrenaline. And the more you, you, you challenge yourself, the more adrenaline you get. So, and and I was young. It's just, it's not calculated risk. Obviously I was in school and everything was planned out, but still I was very far away. So I, I, I was chasing that feeling, to be honest. And then to answer the second question, I guess it's, it's what I do. I really mentalize myself on, on a topic and I really go in my mind through the process of what does it mean? How am I going to feel with the brain, it works like that. You, you, you don't even have to be in that situation that you, you, you can even project the feeling and you, you actually the brain reacts and, uh, as you would be in that situation. So yeah, I, I do these exercises with myself and, and I actually, you know, I sometimes play these, these little games where I'm like, oh, I'm very afraid. Sometimes before a call, before an interview or before a meeting, I don't have air or whatever. And then I just stay in that feeling. I accept it and then I get over it. And then I just go in with the fear. And as soon as, you know, five minutes pass, I am, you know, I'm done. I'm in that mode. Oh, I love it. You know, I think so many of us, what I love about you is that ability to do that, the ability to actually just be like, I feel that fear, but I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to accept and appreciate it and then go for it. You know, how can we get better at feeling the fear, but doing it anyway? For me, it was, I'm going to talk from a personal perspective because I can talk for everyone, but it's really surrounding yourself with the right people and having a true emotional support and and for so so long really my family was that specifically my parents and I have a strong group of friends and really whenever I fell down 
I would call them and they would turn into like, like a boxing sack or, you know, you just throw all your emotions in there, but you trust them with your feelings and you know, they're going to come back with something that's going to help you grow and, and push you forward. So that trust and that feeling of, of support is what really made me who I am today. I wouldn't be who I am or where I am or taking the risk that I'm taking still if I didn't have the support. That's 100%. Mm-hmm. So let's then move on to kind of the progression after that. So, you know, you were, you moved to Florida, you were 20, you know, you were filling all the fields. You had, thankfully, that phenomenal support network there, your parents being there for you for when you needed, you know. I think I then saw that, I guess, one of your first, one of your first jobs, I guess, when you moved, finished college and moved to New York, um, I think it was at a company called Swell. And then after that, a company called Cocoon, which you were kind of part of the founding team there. So talk to us a little bit about kind of post-college or even the end of college decision to move to New York from Florida and how that all panned out. Yeah, though, it's actually very funny because I've gotten, I remember I got a couple of job offers in the Florida state and uh, in Miami, which is a big, big city. And I know I I remember I said no, and I decided to go to New York without a network and I drove and uh, took all my stuff with me. And then I arrived. It sounds like a movie, but that actually, I, I actually did that. And I don't even understand why <laughs> I know, I know why I did it, but I, it just sounds so crazy. And I rejected, you know, you were, when you're in the States as a, as a, you know, a student or as an immigrant, you get a year to find a job. And when, if, when, and if you get a job, then they need to sponsor you. So if as a student, as a graduate student, if you get an offer, it's really the best thing that can happen to you. And and that's, you go with it. It's not, you know, if you want to stay in the States. So, but I did say no, because I knew that my personality is more aligned with New York. I had worked there and done internships during my two years of master. So I was going in the summers and working in New York. So I knew what it is, what it was and what, what the city asked from you, but I don't really have a network. So, um, yeah. And, and that job, actually the first job at swell, the way I got it was because I was so excited about the client. They're, they're a digital advertising agency. So, um, their clients were really interesting to me, fashion, beauty. I was always passionate about this kind of stuff. And, and they didn't take my resume in consideration. I would send in over email, et cetera, et cetera. So one day I decided I'm just going to go to their office in Tribeca knock on the door and leave my resume and still after that day they wouldn't call me so I just went the second time and I yeah and then I yeah I finally got an interview and I you know they hired me because I was too crazy and obsessed and uh, yeah and but then and in between the swell and and cocoon which was the last company I worked for I I had a various jobs uh, in, in marketing and growth at, at tech startups. But yeah, Cocoon was, um, it is still, still such a dear 
project to me and it was founded by people that truly believe in, in the mission that we had and, and democratizing beauty. And I was part of the founding team, which I always really wanted because as an entrepreneur, you want to be in the in the trenches and you want to build um, alongside the founders. And and that was a really almost two years of, of craziness and brutal experience and, and, and wearing so many hats and then laughing and crying and so that was the experience it was uh, it was really amazing and that, that's what made me realize that you know I can be my own you know um, I can be a founder on my own and and I decided to do that in 2019. So interesting I'm just taking it all in you know I think you know when you kind of summarize that all I think there are a couple of things that come out of that at least for me and I'm sure our peers out there listening may feel the same it's really that persistence and that kind of ongoing kind of ruthlessness to just go after what you want you know how can we, you know, even if we just take it to that experience of you didn't get the job, but you you didn't even get an interview, but you just kept going and you rocked up at the office, like, how can we build more confidence to go after what we want? I think failure, quote unquote, or, or a negative response would take you to that next level where you're you're more ambitious and and you know what you have to give and you know your strength you are aware you know what you've learned you know what you can give and it's not only the skill set it's within you i feel strong enough to take this job i know i can do a really good job i haven't done it before but I'm so passionate about this entire industry. And, and that's what really made me, you know, I had no idea how to do what I did at that job, to be honest. I mean, I had experience, but not for that specific job. And actually coming from the academia, I was kind of, you know, at a slower pace, I must say. I was working as a research assistant during my master's, but it's not the same pace, obviously, as in private. So... I just had I had a thing that I wanted to prove. I knew that I I I I can and I with all my heart I wanted to prove to the others that I can. I don't necessarily have a recipe. I I can tell you that, but it's it's just this I think also the city, the city, the vibe, the dynamic, the people that you're surrounded by, the things that you read, how you wake up in the morning, if you go to the gym, you're like pumped up and then you're like boom, I'm ready to take the city by like its horns. So it it was that feeling inside of me that was like burning. So that's, that's what I did. I just went with my intuition for so long. I went with my intuition and I think I did fine. <laughs> not always actually not. I've, I've made a ton of mistakes and I've made, I've made a ton of, I've, I've done a lot of things that maybe now I don't want to look at the past. I think that, I could have asked for my rights or I could have stood up and said this. I could have, but overall, you know, it's, it's, I had this intuition and I went with it and, and I'm, I made peace with my everything. I love that. It's all about making that peace. No, I, I want to talk about 
I guess, the intuition that drove you to start your businesses. So, you know, as you mentioned, you're running a few at the moment, two of which are Hebu and Empathy Global. So, Look, this was after kind of your you after you did cocoon, after you'd really explored in New York, and you'd you'd followed that gut and that in, in your intuition. So talk to us, you know, about yeah, talk to us about the idea for Hebu and then Empathy Global, which followed. Talk to us about how that came about and what were the first few steps that you took to really get these businesses going and off the ground. So it's it's really. It goes down to my personal experience, especially for Hebrew, and then the the gaps that I've seen in the market for Empathy Global. So with Hebrew, we started in 2018 as a, as an exercise to humanize technology, and you know I got a bunch of, of very smart engineers in a room, and we decided to build a chatbot that would change your mood through content as an exercise and to really see if technology can go there, can sense feelings. How can we make technology more human? So that was our hypothesis. And we just like sat in a room and like geeked out. And then, you know, after a couple of months, we we came out with this like chatty, gorillous, like friendly chatbot that would understand your personality or mood and then change content based on that and, and, and send you content based on that. And that was a question that I had way before maybe it planted it was planted in my mind in maybe 2016 I remember I was working in the series a startup like pretty decent startup with with you know funding they were organized in a certain manner and and but I felt like there was this empathy gap in the technology itself but were also work culture. So then I started thinking and I was working with chatbots with this technology and it was something new, more like newer back then. And then I just came up with this idea of like, how can we bridge empathy and technology and see if it works out? So it, it, it started because of that, but then also I, it was a pain that I kind of wanted to to solve because I felt that way in the company. It was not only something that I could uh, observe, it was something that I felt in, in, in myself. So the, you know, the workplace exclusion, diversity and inclusion, the, the lack of thereof, and just little pieces of, of you know, uh, interactions and dynamic that I didn't necessarily know back then that it was such a huge problem that it became today and now everybody's talking about it, but I felt it. And in with my own, you know, resources and brain, I, that's what I came up with back then, this chatbot that changes your mood through content. But it was really uh, an interesting exercise because it took us to where we are today. We're building for the future and where we're at a toddler stage in the in the grand scheme of things because AI is a toddler and we're working with AI and emotion AI more so and but what we're trying to solve is you know to reduce anxiety depression and workplace exclusion for women and minorities and empower them through the power of content and it's just a fascinating exercise to really humanize technology and and I'm still kind of 
surprised that to this day, you know, we haven't made that many advancements, but I think there is a trend now. Uh, you know, you hear about empathy everywhere, and obviously there's empathy in technology that we want to mimic. So Hibu is is trying to do that. And and I'm I'm very happy to work on on, on this product in this company. And then Empathy Global is is my consulting platform. I've been a consultant for a long while and it kind of came to fruition the name and the actual focus again in 2020 or end of 2019, I guess, where I decided that uh, working with data analytics a ton and statistics and marketing and sales, I realized that there's there's a need to better understand data and how to read data. And that goes back to like understanding your consumer. So I work with a ton of startups that had this issue. Like I have as a founder, I know my audience, but do you actually truly know it? Have you done any research? How do you go go in depth to understand your customer? And I designed this customer empathy map. And what I'm doing is really applying empathy and data and helping other businesses scale through the power of empathy and data. But that's really, you know, it's it's part of my career. But my future, really my mission in life is to build and spread empathy with AI and beyond. So I'm invested in uh, in, in a lot of, I guess, projects, I'd say, or, or collaborations that have a core empathy. I love it. I think it's so, I just find it so interesting how you've been able to, or fascinating that you've been able to find this core thing that you genuinely love and that genuinely, like, you want to make it, like, your life mission. You know, I think so many of us, and especially some of our peers out there listening, they might be thinking, well, how do I even find my thing? Like, what can I do? Like, maybe, you know, they're our peers out there listening are, you know, stuck in a job they're not too happy about. They're trying to figure out, you know, what it is they actually want to be doing. Or maybe they've just started a side hustle and they're thinking maybe this could be it, but they don't feel like it will be their life kind of mission and goal. What did you do? Can you break it down for us? Like exactly what you did to kind of come to that outcome and and understanding of this is what I want to be doing with my life or my career. I, so how I started my career was not necessarily, I didn't have a goal in mind of working with a specific company. It was more, my dream was for myself to build something maybe within a company or on my own. I didn't know what I wanted, but I knew I wanted to build something on my own. So that's how I started. And I was just extremely curious about everybody's jobs, learning the process, learning the ropes, networking enough to get in those people's you know minds and 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 creating that report and the trust factor where you know they could advise me on how to go about different jobs and different projects but what it was really and I'm I'm now thinking about it it was the fa- the nature of startups and early stage startups where you go in for a specific job they hire you for you know uh, growth and marketing okay but you're definitely not only going to do that it's always product and sales and you're also doing business development and you're also probably ordering dinner for 
the entire team. I don't know. You know, that happens. So by working in very different positions with very different founders, some of them were Americans, a lot of them were immigrants, women, men, that dynamic. It's very interesting. And and I guess and also feeling out of place. A lot of the time I, I felt out of place and that feeling out, the out of place feeling made me think, okay, what is it that I'm missing? Why it's not necessarily, it's not the culture necessarily, or the setting is something within me. What is it? What am I looking for? And just peeling off all those thoughts. It's truly a lot of reflection combined with intuition. And I know I've been saying that, but you know, after so many years, I realized that, man, go with your intuition. So many times, go with your intuition. But by being in the, these different roles and working with different people, I, I really explored so many sides of me and was put in so many different situations where I discovered myself. And I learned what I do not want in my company, the culture that I don't want, the the, the partners, the strategic partners that I wouldn't want to work with and the ones that I would. But it takes time and it takes a lot of, 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 of self-love because for so long I was questioning myself and I, was, I wasn't, you know, that out of place feeling. And where is, where is my mission? What am I working for? For so many years, I asked myself this, and I truly came to this place after I made peace with the decisions that I made. And and I still struggle like everyone else, but I'm just more I'm 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 stronger in in accepting my uh, you know my pro like my my good things and and I guess my less than good things or or the parts that I'm not you know the best at. So I just, and now I'm focusing on my strengths and I know, you know, empathy is something that I, it's innate. I was, I can say I was born with that. My, I was, you know, my family is, is, is that is, you know, my mom is very empathetic. I learned that since I was little. So exercising and engaging into empathy is something very natural to me. And then I, I want to teach everyone else that can't and is, wants to learn that. I want to help them learn. So I hope I answered your question. I made it very long. So great. No, no, no. I, I, it's it's so great. And I think it's just, it's so valuable to understand and learn, you know, understand how we can do that for ourselves. And I think the core thing that, I mean, you've, you talked about was that really getting to know yourself and actually not being afraid to go, you know what, those really uncomfortable things that I'm feeling, they're actually the things I have to look into and actually think, okay, what's going on here? Why am I feeling these things? And I mean, for you, I mean, you're the the example, right? You did that and now look where it's taken you, you know? And I think there is just so much value in that, although at the time it might be painful or tough and yeah. No, absolutely. I love it. Oh my goodness. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We could talk forever. I'm so into this. I'm also mindful of the time. So I've got a couple of last few questions for you as we head into the end. So I guess the first one is what were some of the early challenges you really faced getting your businesses off the ground? I know they're still in, in somewhat, you know, two years in or whatever it is, you know, but what were really the tough times in getting it off the ground? 
um, I guess the lack of resources, money, capital, but that shouldn't be a problem for everyone because there's enough capital in the market and, and you just have to find the right person. So, but that was my fear. That was, you know, I wasn't in my country. So I, I always kind of felt like an outsider and I'm not good enough to get this and that. So I postponed a lot of my vision and a lot of my intentions because of that feeling but now i you know i'm uh, i grew up and and i'm going after it because um i just there's nothing to lose i just done it all and this is just another exercise another company another project that is dear to my heart and i i will fight as hard as i can to build it but I'm just not afraid anymore because I've seen, you know, companies being built and flourish and then, uh, you know, going bankrupt. So this is just a normal cycle. But yeah, the money, the the money, the the actual asking for money, it's more so well what the problem was. But then I realized that you just have to you you. Every step you make, there's just really another opportunity opening. So as soon as you make a little bit of effort and you, uh, you, you add more to your project or you make a, you know, a new update or you, you, you connect with a new person, that's truly a new opportunity. And because you made, you made advancements, you know, th- those opportunities lie out because you just made that advancement. So it's just a natural cycle of life that I've noticed that if you stay in one place, if you don't do anything, if you don't send that email, if you don't connect on Zoom, if you don't meet that person, and, uh, that person in, um, you know, over coffee, you, you're stagnant. It's, it's just not happening. But with the, the fear you know, hold you in that place. So by pushing just every single day, uh, just small steps, I think, you know, you go places that you don't even know. And especially with startups, when you start with an idea in mind, but then the market molds and morphs it in something else, obviously close to what you've envisioned, but it's always, you know, you build the community and you build with the market and you build with, with, with your network. So that was the the main fear, but now there's nothing to lose. COVID happened, so... I hear you. Okay, another final question is, what has been some of the greatest failures you've personally had to date on this entrepreneurial journey? Since I founded my company and since I've been on my own uh, in this endeavor, I think it's, it's just such a dear project and I... I there's just immense opportunity in this space and I'm, I'm very connected to it. So to be honest, every email that I don't see answered, it's a failure in, in, in this side of the you know world, like in my garden, I see it as a failure. If, if someone that I talk to doesn't follow up saying that it will, and I'm giving you concrete examples, I feel that I didn't do a good job in the Zoom call and I didn't impress that person. So I think every little thing, when you're building your own business, it's kind of a small failure. But otherwise, I think when people leave the company um, and you attach to them and but I made sure that we me and my team, we always align with the with our goals and purpose. And if that doesn't align anymore or things 
happen because life, then you have to let go and you have to trust that that's the right thing to do. So I I think second to, you know, this small failures, micro failures is when people leave for sure. It's painful. It's tough. Oh my goodness, Andrea, you and I could speak for days. I'm absolutely loving this. You know, over the last few years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. You know, you've received so much recognition for your work, in particular being featured on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. You know, what are three key pieces of advice that you would give to our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? I would sit down with myself and define who I am and what my skills are at that specific moment, but also where am I going and what my dream is. It doesn't need to be a company. It doesn't need to be a name. Create that persona in your mind. Who are you going after? Who do you want to become? What? Because there, there's going to... I've gotten a lot of opportunities maybe that I said no to because I didn't really understood myself well back in the days. I didn't know who I was. So because I didn't know who I was, I said no to some things because I thought that I'm not, you know, I wouldn't perform or that's not for me or maybe I should take this over this for, you know, for a better salary, I would go with this company versus this company. But really, I realized that once you see yourself with that contract and this amazing title, etc., you, I guarantee you're going to go back home and ask yourself, why am I doing this? So you always go back to your mission. So if you do not define who you are and where you want to go and what what's burning inside of you, what's that thing that makes you, you know, angry in the morning when you read the news, there's titles that make you angrier than others. You know, there's, so I defining that. And then the major, major thing is really creating um, report with the people that you meet and creating a network for yourself of people that you trust, that you can go to, to ask for advice outside of your parents, outside of your close circle of friends, because they might be biased. So pick that, pick that mentor that can advise you on your career path. Pick that hustler friend that has climbed the ladder and they know the hustle and bustle and they know the politics and how to go about it. Pick that friend that's always smiley and happy and and you know that if you meet with him or her, you're going to get over it. Pick the right people around you because you can get lost very easily if you don't have them. Amazing. Such great advice. Look, I want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Andra, for the phenomenal work you've done and that you're doing for really showing us, you know, and particularly us, you know, females, minority females, immigrants, that we can go after what we want if we just stick at it, if we, you know, really, really keep pushing, we can achieve that. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. That's such a, you know, I, that makes me very happy. I think every time you hear something like that, just you feel like you're doing the right work. So always, always encourage your friends and the women around you and the men around you and everyone because they need it don't think that if they're doing something good or if they got an award they their work is done they always need support so let's always be you know supportive and encouraging of each other thank you so much 
Of course, of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, and that is what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? It's, it's, for me, it's conquering my fears. So uh, I lead with that. I, I crave for that. So I think that for me, it's important to always conquer my fears and be challenged. So I love it. Andra, ladies and gentlemen, oh my goodness, we have had a blast. Where can people learn more about you and your businesses? Okay, awesome. So check us out at hiboo.ai, which is hibu.ai. We're just launching beta, so feel free to sign up. Uh, we're rolling out a lot of cool updates soon. Then empathyglobal.work. And also reach out to me on, on LinkedIn, Andra Maria Vadova, and on Instagram at Andra R-A-D-V-A-D. Perfect. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thanks so much again. This has been so awesome. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap.